if you have a Bible, I should say, open them with us this morning to the Old Testament letter of Joel. And if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me, Joel chapter number three. We have a guest speaker coming Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to that. It's always exciting, always interesting. But today is today, and let's get something from the word of the Lord this morning. Joel chapter 3, the Bible said, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Where are all the mighty men in the house today? Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Verse 10. Beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears, and let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. My title today is Let the Weak Say. Let the weak say. Thank you, merciful God, for your word today. The precious people that are in the house, every man, woman, young person, or elder, encourage our minds today, feed our souls, renew our thoughts, and help us, God, to leave here with greater victory and better being a better man or woman than when we came. We'll give you all the praise for it. Would you look at somebody in Jesus' name and say, let the weak say. God bless you. You may be seated. Only because I feel compelled, I'm going to say this before I leave the subject I've already addressed. If, if fellowship is not important to you, I hope I can help you understand something today. A child left to himself, Solomon said, brings his mother to shame. The church is the mother of us all, the Apostle Paul said. Now, I, I'm not trying to ask you to be ridiculous in your understanding, but some people, because I love you, I'm saying this, some people run from fellowship. Some people have got a premeditated plan. If it comes to more than me and you, I'm out of here. Well, I just want you to know this, how I take that as a shepherd and a pastor over your soul. I look at you and wonder, wonder what's missing in your heart. I wonder what you have going on in your life that you so, so despise fellowship. Maybe you don't like me. And if you don't like your pastor, you really need fellowship. Because you might think you're better than me. Don't go there with me, all right? Because that's just arrogance. And, 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 and I know I'm putting pressure on people here. You might have plans today. You can't avoid work, whatever. Someone waiting for you at the hospital. I get it. But I just want you to know that fellowship is biblical. It is not something we just try to get people to do. It's biblical. I can walk through this place almost spiritually blindfolded and tell you who doesn't fellowship. The weakness bleeds off of your very countenance. 
Well, let's have church today, all right? Hallelujah. You ready for some real stuff here? Listen, listen to these questions with me today. Some of you already got a chip on your shoulder. You're not going to hear anything else I say today. I'm not a visitor. I'm your pastor, all right? And Brother Corey, happy birthday, brother, for today, all right? God bless you. It's amazing to turn 29, isn't it? If you, if you had to reduce your life to one statement, if I asked you to reduce your life to one brief statement, what would it be? I know that takes time, but let me just proceed. Maybe you would say, everything that I hoped it would be. Maybe you would say, nothing I hoped it would be. Perhaps you would say, satisfying. Maybe I might say, disappointing. Second part of that is this. Can you tell me something today that expresses everything that matters to you? If you could reduce your life to one statement, and if you could tell me something that expresses everything that matters to you, maybe you'd say faith. That's the most important thing in your life. Maybe you'd say family. Maybe you'd say financial stability. I get all of that. Those are all important factors. Something that expresses everything that matters to you. I want you to know this today. When you get your priorities right, God can fix all of the other things we're worried about in life. I told a preacher this morning via text, listen, he's wanted asking me this or that. I said, this is what Solomon said. When your ways finally please God, I'm quoting 16 and 7 of Proverbs. You don't, have to, you don't have to throw that up there. When a man's ways please the Lord, God makes all of his enemies be at peace with him. So when you finally figure out priority number one in my life has to be God. Has to be God. He's going to work out everything else that you're worried about. Your finances, your health. I believe that those questions, those factors that I presented to you there are affected every day by two very powerful, ever-present matters. What you think is important, the summary of your life, those things are affected every day by two very powerful, ever-present matters. One is your faith, and two is fear. Faith and fear. And for time's sake, allow me the privilege of not addressing the obvious. I know there's some healthy fear. We get it. We get it. I don't want to go there. You come, you know, with a little garden snake wrapped around your arm. I'm still not going to enjoy the fellowship, all right? I know for a fact, though, if you come with a rattlesnake around your neck, I'm not getting near your hide. Just healthy fear, so that's enough of that, all right? But faith and fear, talent, looks, can never give you enough faith 
to overcome. Skill sets, even education, does not have the power to take away fear from my life. So faith affects everything I want to show you that is important to me. And all the while, fear is trying to get settled in my life too so that it disrupts the things that I'm trying to dis display for you. Faith sees victory before it ever happens. Can I get a witness of that? Faith sees victory before it ever happens. And fear sees defeat before it ever comes to pass. It's funny how one of those two things are working in your very brain every second of every day, right here sitting in church. They're both working, trying to gain your attention. Some people have got faith in God, faith in life, faith in everything that is good. That type of person has complete trust and confidence that everything's going to be okay. Don't you like being around people like that? I'm not one of them, all right? Maybe that's why you don't come around me, all right? I like being around people. They just have a, they exude confidence. Not cockiness, confidence. And if you're one of those people that has faith that everything's going to be all right, be careful that you don't expect everybody to have your level of faith at all times. Never put people down for not having your level of confidence that all is going to be all right. We're a work in progress. Is that just an outlook thing for that person? They always see the optimistic side of things. The Bible said in Acts eleven twenty four, speaking of Stephen, that he was full of the Holy Ghost and he was full of faith. That man had it. He was a good man. And the Bible said many were added to the Lord because of his testimony. Every ounce of faith you've ever possessed has helped you in life, whether you know it or not. It's carried you through. It's got you by. It gets you over. Then there's the fear factor person. This person talks with a different language. They always say things like, but what if it doesn't work out? My anxiety level's off the charts, Pastor Herring. I'm really worried about this, Brother Herring. And I want you to know I'm not making fun of you. That's a real, that's a real thing to deal with in life. Every ounce of fear has hurt me in my life. Fear is controlling. Fear is a monster. 1 John 4, 18, the Bible said fear has torment. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because maybe that's why, huh? You got too much hate in your life. Maybe that's why you're worried all the time. Always putting people down. Maybe that's why you've always got anxiety issues. Perfect love casts out fear because fear will torment me. And the Bible said, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So if love inspires faith, then hate obviously stimulates fear. 
But if I ask you today, what does faith mean to you? I'm sure most of you would say it means trust, it means confidence, it means assurance, and you'd be right. You would be right. The psalmist demonstrated the spirit, and I emphasize that word, the spirit of faith. When he said, I believe, Psalm 116, verse 10, I believe, therefore, have I spoken. Something's going on inside of me long before I exhibit what's going on inside of me. I might exhibit with my looks, but more often than not, I exhibit, I say looks, I should say expressions. But, but long before I give an expression, there's so much power in the things I say. I believe, therefore, you speak. When you speak, there's authority and power. Whether you're a person of faith or a person of fear, you tell me a lot about yourself when you open your mouth. Psalm 116.10, I believed, therefore have I spoken. Now, a thousand years later, literally one thousand years later, in 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul quotes that same scripture. He's quoting Psalm 116, verse 10, when he said, We, having the same spirit of faith, It's more than your outlook on life. It's more than just your happy-go-lucky nature. The apostle said, we've got the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, he's quoting, I believed. And therefore have I spoken. So Paul says, because of that, we also believe and we're going to speak it. We also have faith and you're going to hear my faith expressed in my vocabulary, in my conversation. So if you look at these two verses, Psalm 116, 10, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, they're telling us that true faith involves the element of believing and speaking, believing and speaking. What's in my heart is going to be exhibited in my conversation. In fact, in Matthew 26, 73, they looked at Peter and said, your speech betrays you, brother. The way you talk identifies where you come from. Eventually, what I think about comes out in my conversation. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. The mouth speaks. If you're full of faith, man, I pick up on that. Anybody picks up on that. Everything's going to be all right, Pastor Herring. Pray for me. I'm struggling here, but you know what? I just know God's going to see me through this. I, mean, any, I pick up on that. Anybody can. The same time, like, oh, Brother Herring, this is bigger than anything I've ever been through. Don't know if I'm going to make it. Probably won't be at church from now on. This has really got me down. Fear. And I'm not belittling what you're going through. But everything we go through is common to man. We've got parents in here that have buried children, buried their parents, buried their siblings, buried their best friends. 
Now please, please, because you've had COVID three times, not putting you down. Please don't try to tell me this is bigger than you can bear, all right? God is on your side. God's going to see you through this just like he saw her through that and you through that. Faith is bigger than your fear. According to the Apostle Paul, just saying it doesn't make it so. It's fueled by a spirit of faith. Let me be straight with you today. He's not talking about this hocus-pocus spirit thing. He's talking about a disposition of faith. He's talking about something that's spiritually connected, but it's something you have tied your attitude to. You've seen God come through for you. You've seen God do it again and again. And I'd like somebody that's smarter than me to answer this question because I know you can't. Why would God bring you to this point in your life? Why would God get you through everything he's got your family through? Everything he's got you through. Why would God bring you to this point and just say, okay, I'm done helping you now? You can't answer that question. It's unanswerable. God will never leave you and never forsake you. He got you. He got you through that so you could deal with today's issues. You know why you've come through the battles you've come through? Because somebody's coming up in your shadow that's going to have similar issues in their life. And they're going to need somebody to pull them aside and say, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you how God got me through this. David had that same spirit, that same disposition of confidence as a child, as a young boy at 18 years old in 1 Samuel 17. David said, well, I'll tell you what, God delivered me from the bear and the lion. Sorry for you people that think I, I get too lighthearted sometimes up here. I just look at her because she knows the inside of that joke, all right? Not because she does. But, uh, you know, if you're ever on the ground with an animal that could in a moment of time end every hope you have, hallelujah. And if you're close, Brother Dave, still remember the story of that grizzly bear running by and your wife didn't have a gun with her. I, I, you say, well, those eastern bears, they're not like Alaskan bears. Still says bear, you hear me? David said, here's why I'm confident. God didn't disappoint me when the bear came at me, when the lion came against me. Well, this giant's something new in your life. You've never faced a giant like this. You've never, what are you doing here, David? You're just a boy. You come to embarrass us? No, David just recollected how God had brought him through. A battle with the bear, a battle with the lion. That is a disposition of confidence that everything is going to be all right. I wish I could get through to some of you today. The things you are so worried about, God is saying, if you'll just have faith, Everything's going to be all right in your life. All the things you're worried about. 
all the things you set up, a little defense fortress around your life. All the work you exhaust yourself with to set up these defense mechanisms in life. If you'll just trust God, tell that fear to get out of your life and trust God to get you through this like he did everything else. I don't think there's a more lucid example of what I'm trying to say, though, than in Numbers chapter 13. In verse 30, Caleb says, we can do this. We got this. The giants are so big, boy. The grapes are so large, we had to put them on. Years ago, I don't know, not too many years ago, I guess, maybe in the last decade, Stacy, I went along with him one night at his bear bait, and he shot a nice little bear, nice big bear. And um, I don't know, one of us had the idea about acting like Daniel Boone that night. We were in alders like that, Brother Larry, and we could take our time, you know, and do that. But we said, no, let's get it out of here. So we got that, that little stick thing, not little stick thing. It was, you know, between us, and we tied that critter on there. That was tough, let me tell you. Just getting out of those things without anything on your back. That, that was tough. How do I get on this stuff? I have no idea. We are well able. We are well able. Joshua, that's how it was, the grapes, thank you. They pulled grapes out of, out of Canaan land like that between the shoulders of strong, worthy soldiers. And, and they told them, we, we can't do this. Let's make new plans in our life. God is forsaken. You know, God's good until we get to this big of a battle. That's how people of fear think. God's good until we get to something this large in our life. God can help me with a headache. God can help me with a backache. God can help me with a, a little financial issue. But when it comes to a divorce, when it comes to a disease, when it comes to my family departing me, I don't know if God can do That's fear talking to you today. There's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Caleb said, we got this. That's the kind of people I want in my office by me at my side today. People that, hey, we got this, Pastor. We can do it. It might be tough. It might be a great task. It might be difficult. It might be expensive. We got this. And you, you take one step into verse 31. That's all you got to do is go from Brother DJ to that next seat right there. Here's verse 30, Caleb saying, we got this, man. Nothing too hard for God. Nothing too big for God. Nothing too big for God. Take one step. Here's the church board. Here's the 10-member church board. I don't know about this, Pastor Herring. I'm not sure. We've never been through anything like this before. Our board's never done that. I would change board members if they did that. But just as an example for fun, maybe they were right. We can't do this. We can't help. We can't have revival. We, 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 you know, we don't have this in the church. We're missing that in the body. All ten of them, Brother Darren. Oh, man, look at the giants in that land. 
Look at the food they eat. Grapes like that. Here we are just nobody. One step from faith to fear. And the majority seems to often go this way. Don't think we can do it. Don't think we can handle it. The point I'm trying to make is this. Both Caleb and the ten spies had a thought, had a seed planted, and then they spoke their faith or their fear. Caleb said, we can got this. You hear me? Whenever I hear people say stuff like that, it, it does something to me inside. Whenever somebody says, we got this, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, maybe not. It just fires me up. I'm quitting, Pastor Herring. That's your problem. Long as I got somebody, long as I got somebody telling me, we can do this, brother. We can make it, brother. We've got this. So the Bible said I chose at least for a title out of that. Joel text, let the weak say, let the weak say, let the weak say, their words followed their faith. Fear says, I don't have what it takes. Faith says, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us, Philippians 4.13. Is there anybody in this room that believes God, if God set his mind to it, if God suddenly stopped and said, okay, wait, i got to go deal with Rob Carlson about something. If God turned his focus to you, Brother Rob, is there anybody in this room that believes God might walk away empty-handed? Not one chance. Not one chance do we believe God is going to walk away empty-handed. Well, fear looks at the present circumstances and says, I don't think they'll ever change. She still acts the same. He still acts the same. They're not going to change. God knows what I need. He's not going to fix it, obviously. I've been asking for years. He's not changed a thing. Now, we just said we know God can change things. But when it gets personal, when it becomes in something I deal with on a regular basis, Suddenly fear says to me, but you know that's not going to be the case for you. Anybody hear those voices in their head? You know he can help Rob change, but he probably won't help you change. You've been asking for so long, and if he wanted to change it, he could have changed it by now. We know that. All those things go off in my mind. Fear says things will never change. Faith says everything can change when God sets his mind to it. God can fix anything, everything, and all things. Here's my advice. Here's where we get down to, to where I can at least try to help somebody. You have to put God's word in your heart. That's not my advice, that, but that is good advice. If you know more about Brad Pitt than you do Moses, you've got a problem in your life. Look at all the grins out there. Hallelujah.
you got to put some word in your heart. Because when you need a response to all those what-ifs going off in your mind, I got my anxiety from my mother. No, I mean no harm. I know the, the genetic predisposed idea. I understand it. Hot-tempered dads have hot-tempered sons. I get it! But we're talking about more than just simple things that my mother and father affected in my life. We're talking about God things here. You have to put the Word of God in your heart to counteract all of those predispositional authorities in your life. I am what I am because my mom was this way. The Bible said the message in Psalm 119 is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. can show me where to go when I've always been traveling the same path of defeat. And Romans 15.4, I preached about this recently because there's so much comfort in the Scripture. Just reading it comforts me. I just don't get preachers. I don't get it. Not allowed. Disallowed. Gong you out out of this place, preacher. You tell me you don't have time in your busy schedule, put the Word of God in your life, then tell me now so i never put you up here in front of these people again. It brings comfort. Here's my advice. And I hope you don't just discard this as being too simplistic because it's Scripture. Number one, those fears... Those repetitive, traumatic what-ifs, those constant barrages of torment. Number one, begin to give it to Jesus. Look what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, and we're split-screening this between the King James and the Easy English. King James, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When I said give it to Jesus, I'm talking about casting it on the, on the Lord. And the easy English Bible, if you have any kind of trouble in your mind, hello. If you have any kind or level of trouble in your mind, give it to God. Now, I'm not, I don't know how to put this other than simple. I just don't. Okay, if you said to me, okay, how do I give it to God? Let me finish that verse. Give it to God. God has promised to take care of you. That ought to be enough right there. But how do you do that on a, on, a, on a level that you deal with every day? How do I give it to God? Ever have bad thoughts come into your mind? Bad memories come into your brain? People that mean torment and sorrow to you? Mean, people that mean heartbreak and anguish? Well, you don't have to be very old before you finally figure out, i got to get my mind off this stuff. Turn the radio on. Turn the TV off. Open the window. Turn the light on. You got to do something to get those things out of your mind and good things into your mind. That's giving it to God. Here it is. You know good and well. The devil's attacked me for not days, not months, not years, decades with this. And every time it's the same thing. I end up in the bed just wore out or in tears. Here I am, God. I'm doing it different from now. Here's what I'm going to do, God. Here's what I'm going to do when I walk out of here and that anxious thought hits me all over again. What if? 
What if she doesn't come back to you? So what? I don't want to meddle, but I want to preach today. Hallelujah. I'm giving it to God today. God, you know I can't handle it. Every time I dwell on this, it sends me into the gutter of life. I can't do it again. I'm laying it at your feet, God, today. I'm going to whistle a tune. I'm going to hum a song. I'm going to open the window. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to get it out of my brain and lay it at your feet. <laughs> Any kind of trouble, give it to God. Why? Because God promised. God promised he's going to take care of you. Number one, give it to Jesus. It's not that simple, Pastor. Oh, it is. But you've got to put some things into motion in your life. You literally have to stop letting those thoughts come into your mind. And just the same thing over and over and over. And you know where it takes me? Every time, the same gutter of life. Now, you optimistic, you optimistic people who never have bad days, you're looking at me like, I don't understand that. So to the rest of us, give it to Jesus. Things seem to be getting worse than better, Pastor. Give it to Jesus. Remember, remember, it's not what you see that matters. It's what you know in your mind's eye God's going to do because he's going to take care of you. Maybe I don't need that person in my life. Hello. Number one, give it to Jesus. Number two, order. Order your conversation. What's that mean, Pastor Herring? Order your conversation. Psalm 50. Look at this verse in 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifies me. And to him that orders this conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Order your conversation. Order it. I'm not going to talk about it. You're not taking me down that road. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. What if it doesn't come to pass for? I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm not discussing the negative possibilities. I'm not discussing the, the negative ramifications. I'm not going there with you anymore. What am I doing? I'm setting my conversation in, in order with my faith. I love what Ephesians 4.29 in the message translation says. Watch the way you talk. Set your conversation in order. Well, I'm just that way, Pastor. I tell it like it is. Sometimes that's just an excuse for having a potty mouth, you know. Hello. Whoso offers praise glorifies me, him that orders his conversation aright. Number one, give it to Jesus. You do it one time doesn't mean you're going to be the perfect model of victory tomorrow. You've got to start a habit in life. Give it to Jesus. You know what's going to happen? 
If you allow that fear and that worry and that anxiety to camp out in your home, stay in your mind, live in, the, in your residence, you know what's going to happen? Your son's going to pick up on that. Your daughter's going to pick up on that. And before long, they're going to be saying the same things they hear coming out of your mouth. What if it don't happen, Mom? I'm not sure if we're going to get through this, Dad. I'm not about right. That is exactly right. It's a spirit. Watch the way you talk. Let the redeemed of the Lord, Psalm 107, verse 2, say, say, say. You know what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three? 23? You need to talk to the mountain. You got to talk to the mountain. Any time, anymore, anyway, like I've said before, you go to, you know, you see people in the grocery stores or in the gas station, they're standing out there by the pump talking to themselves. When we were a kid, we were like, mm, go around person. Anymore, they've got their thing in their ear and they're talking to someone on the phone. Jesus said, you got to talk to the mountain. What is a mountain in your life? Things that keep coming up, things that are always in your way, things that are difficult to deal with. So in your prayer life or in your personal time, you got to put that thing on your lips. Say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Well, I have it in my heart. Jesus had put it on your lips. The only way for me to replace fear in my life and that's on display is to turn or channel faith into my conversations. Normally I say something like this, I just can't do it. But when I order my conversation aright, it means saying, I can do it through Christ. Normally my flesh through fear says, I just don't have the strength anymore. You deal with it, I can't handle it anymore. Ordering my conversation says, let the weak say, I am strong. We can do this. Fear says, he doesn't hear my prayer. What's the point anyway? Ordering my conversation properly means, instead of saying that, I say, well, the Bible said, ask and you shall receive. Let me, let me talk to some mature Christians today to, for a moment. Does anybody in here believe that when Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, he meant, boom! Every time, right now, boom. Maybe. But experience has taught me sometimes I have to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. You know what mature people do? They do when they're on the right track and they know it, they keep, they keep working at it. What, what mature people don't do is say, I quit. I hate everything about it. I'm done. That's what your kids do. I struck out in Little League. I quit, Dad. I don't ever want to go back. That's what our kids do. Mature-minded, faith-filled people say, ask God. Keep asking God. Keep seeking God. Keep going back to the altar. Keep praying about it. You know why that is true? Because he's promised to take care of you. 
that doesn't mean that every day I'm going to be in the lap of luxury, in the, in the uh, perfect situation of life, but he's promised. And always, always, always God comes through on his perfect time. You're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm telling you what the Bible says about you. He's on your side. I don't care if you respond or not. I'm telling you what the Bible says about you. You are more than conquerors. I don't feel it, Pastor. I'm not asking for any response. I'm just telling you the Bible said that about you. I feel like everything's against me. Well, you know what ordering your conversation all right would be? No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I'm just trying to tell somebody, let the weak say. Well, that wife of mine don't line up, I'm going to let her have it. Maybe you need to grow up, sir. Huh? Hello? Oh, anybody feel the lack of energy in that applause, huh? Let's flip it around. Let's see how raw, raw, rambunctious and rockish you become. That husband of mine don't straighten up. I'm going to show him the door. Maybe, maybe, sister, you need something in your life, huh? A little faith, a little endurance, desire. thankful, Brother Darren, God doesn't deal with me like people deal with me. Turning this big ship around takes a little bit of time. I told this to Brother Rick some time ago. I'm sure he doesn't remember, but, but I, I got on this studying history, war history some time ago. And I was blown away when I read an article that 1,554 U.S. naval ships were sunk during World War II. 1,554 ships, for the most part, still down in Davy Jones' locker to this, this day. And I don't have any idea. U-boats and whatever those might have been, destroyers, I mean, if, if you only average 100 men on those ships, I can't imagine being on those boats and hearing the, the captain on the loudspeaker, abandon I kind of got a feeling when they heard those words, Brother Moore, there were nobody straightening up their necktie, combing their hair. Look, those massive hunks of steel just, just intimidated and destroyed in a moment's time. Sometimes it takes forever to repair wounds like that, if they ever can be repaired. Emotional wounds that may come on us as quickly as that, I'm trying to say. But just because God doesn't fix everything the moment you begin to turn your conversation around does not mean God isn't listening. It just means, it just means you started to turn that helm of that ship. And it's going to take a while to get that thing moved. How long are those things sometimes? Three, four hundred feet? A thousand feet maybe? How long is an aircraft carrier? 
800 yards? 800 feet, okay. I mean, I got a feeling you don't turn those things on a dime. Let the weak say, I'm, God, I'm going to clean my home, clean my mind, clean my mouth, clean my thoughts. I can't handle this anymore. Don't, don't, I'm not going to listen to you like that. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. We can do all things through the Lord that strengthens us. You choose to walk away, that's your business. But I, I'm going to order my conversation to be full of faith, full of hope, full of expectation, full of desire, full of God things. Let the weak say. Precious God of heaven, we thank you today. We know that your loving kindness is better than life. We know that your hands, God, have led us, nurtured us, been a guide to our steps, been strength to our hands, been courage to our soul. You've been renewing, God, to our disposition. You have provided, God, the miraculous. You have given, God, that which we've only hoped to see. And I know, God of heaven, today, you are the God of the impossible. Something upbeat, nothing slow. You are the God of the impossible. You can save the unsavable, heal the unhealable, deliver the bound. You can rescue the perishing. There's no restraint to the Lord. To save by many or by few. God can do it. Why don't you start speaking words of faith? Get rid of the conversation of fear. Get rid of the words of fear. Start speaking faith. You know what you're doing? You're turning that ship around. You're turning that big, long, powerful ship around. We shall overcome. We will win the battle. We are going to make it all the way. Let the weak say. Let the weak say. Let the weak say.